0: Greetings from the Long Island Sound Podcast. Welcome to the show. Please rate, review, and comment on the show. And call our listener line and leave a message for our guests. Dial 631-800-3579. All right. Enjoy the show.
1: Thanks for joining us for the Long Island Sound Podcast. Each week, we explore new music and dive deeper with the artists and their stories behind the music. Please subscribe and rate and review us wherever you stream this podcast. Here's your host, Steve
0: Yusko. Have I got a fantastic episode for you with the Como Brothers. It was the Kismet Connection that got me introduced to these guys. Great music, great conversation. We're going to hear four of their songs, and I'm sure by the end of this episode, you're going to become one of their new fans. Let's take a listen to their song, And Then I Met You.
1: They say in dreams you only see familiar faces I thought I'd seen them all I dreamed Thought I got the story right, had the book and read it twice, sought out a world of
0: to mind when i think about today's guests passionate and prolific matt and andrew como are the como brothers together with heartfelt lyrics and beautiful harmonies this brother duo easily combines rock and pop with a blues vibe over the past several years they've recorded multiple albums and released singles believe it or not every month it's my pleasure to welcome matt and andrew to the long island sound podcast good to have you here fellas welcome
2: Hey, how's it going? Steve, thanks for having us. Thank you so much for
0: having us. All right, so that the first one who said thanks, because you guys sound very much the same, was Matt and then Andrew, right? Or Andrew and Matt.
2: Other way around, yep. Yep. Okay Andrew and then Matt. Yep.
0: Right. Matt's the bass player. I'll let the audience decide, okay, what that means.
3: (laughs) Usually we're a little bit slower.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but you know what? You had the technology down getting this podcast together, so Kudos to you, brother.
3: <laughs> hey, we hey, love it. Some... We're happy to be here. You know, we we really were looking forward to t- to speaking with you and meeting meeting you at our gig actually beforehand. I thought that was a really cool way for you, for us to get introduced.
0: Yeah, you know what's funny is a lot of my guests I don't meet till after the fact, and many I haven't met. Um, and I kind of surprise them, you know, a few months down the road when I get to see them live. So uh, it's usually like, uh, you know, blind date speed dating, you know, when, when we do these <laughs> right. interviews. But I have to tell the story behind this because I it really came together in a nice way in that I saw I was at um, a place called Fire Island Vines in Bayshore. Had seen my recent guest, Gene Casey, who's a great rockabilly, roots rock guy, very famous out east. And we got to see him shortly after we put the podcast up. And then Angelo, the owner of Fire Island Vines, which is right on Main Street in Bayshore, came up to me and he said, hey, if you really like Gene Casey, you got to come back tomorrow for the Como Brothers. And my wife gave me permission to go out on my own. (laughs) And I went to see you guys. And I'm I'm telling you, all BS aside, it was really great. You put on a great show. And as Kismet would have it, there's the Fire Island tie-in, by the way. (sighs) is that um, Andrew and Matt's dad was my daughter's math teacher. It's just crazy, f- crazy how things come together. But
3: crazy, when I first and heard I'll, he- I'll also just say real quick, because you yeah. mentioned Angelo, he's been such a great supporter of ours, and we've actually even pl- been playing weekly shows at that venue you mentioned, Fire Island Vines. It's in Bayshore, Long Island. Anyone listening, great venue that um, worth checking out for sure.
0: Yeah, I you know, I that's they opened up right God bless them. They opened up right before COVID and yeah. they they're still still going. And it's uh the place has a really nice vibe to it and the feeling I got about Angelo is he's into promoting local music which mm. puts us right on the uh same track. So one thing that came to mind when I heard you guys and you've had of gotten this feedback was the Everly Brothers. Mm. It was just your oh, harmonies have. You, you have, right? It just,
2: we have we love the Everly Brothers, yeah, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, so it really it really kind of kicked in for me. So let's do this. Tell me about uh, I'll go back and forth. We'll kind of ping pong between you guys. Whoever wants to go first, raise your hand, and start yapping away. Is when did you when did you first pick up the instrument and say, you know what, I think I can do this.
3: I'll start. I'll start. I, I actually was 18 years old, so I was late to the game. I was always listening to Um, my brother in his high school bands and my uncle's play. I had done drums and piano when I was younger and dabbled with other instruments, but never picked up the bass or the guitar. And Mm. first note I played was um, or first song I learned was day tripper from the Beatles. I just started plugging away till I learned that riff and it was just game over. That was all I wanted to do. Stopped going to class in college and just kept playing guitar and, Pick up the bass after that, but Andrew, what, what about you?
2: Yeah, I, I think I was like uh, I think I was ten when I first did the guitar, and then um, I think I stopped for a couple of years. Picked it back up when I was like twelve or thirteen, and I just played since.
0: Now, did did you are you guys self taught or you you took lessons or where'd you where'd you go with that?
2: I took lessons for guitar for a couple of years, probably three or four years, and then I then after that. I, I didn't take anything since, and I just kind of self progressed from there. Gotcha. Yeah, I was the same. I was
0: I was a really late bloomer. I you know I learned the three chords, and then I put the Tam thing down for ten years. You know this is when right. I was like twenty six because it was just too hard. You know I just couldn't couldn't piece it together. And then what helped me was YouTube and guitar tabs. If I could hear nice. it and emulate it, I could I could play it and kind of work through. It. And I still I still have to. Take the dust off the guitars and keep keep going with it. But uh, that's why I really appreciate musicians who really uh, hone their craft and woodshed it, so to speak, to to go out and play. So it sounds like you came from uh, a musical family. Um, So that kind of set a good stage for you.
2: Yeah, um, you know, my dad and his brother, you know, they played in the band back in the, I think it was the late seventies, early eighties, and um, but you know, they they resurged it when I was in early high school and we did like a Beatles tribute band. So every weekend uh, I was out at the bars with them playing sometimes two or three nights a weekend. Mm. And uh, I loved it. I mean, I was only, I think I was only 14 when I was doing nice. that
0: family taking the uh, bars at 14.
2: I'm going to talk to I, your dad again. <laughs> it was, it was really cool. Cause I, you know, I played the, the George part and that, that I think that gave me a really appreciation for harmony. Cause he always had the, the difficult middle part and like, you know, this boy or nowhere, man. Mm-hmm. And um at first I wasn't good at it, but you know, it, it gave me a real appreciation to, you know, find it, find a weird harmony, I guess.
0: Yeah. George Harrison was probably the most underrated great guitar player there, there ever was, I think. And, and oh, how, he, how he nuanced things, you know, great uh,
3: parts, you know, and Andrew did that for years. And I, I started to pick up Beatles songs so I could play in the band. So I was like, I want to get in on this. So I I started learning John songs, and I would sub in as the John player, or, you know, I wasn't playing the bass at that point. And then eventually, Andrew and I started, you know, performing together, writing our own songs. I picked up the bass just kind of out of necessity. It just felt right when we were jamming bass and guitar together, and I I just kind of fell in love with it from there.
0: Yeah, you know what? You're my first guest who was actually driven by jealousy, which is kind of neat, you know, (laughs) to... uh, It's an interesting motivator, you know?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, jealousy definitely, um, you know, got me in the game. And, uh, you know, once you start writing your own songs, you just kind of feel like, oh, it's like that challenge to write just like that timeless classic that uh, really drives us. Um, And every time you pick up the guitar, you just have that urge to want to one-up yourself and make the best song you could possibly make, you know?
0: That's that's interesting, because it's... uh, maybe from my ignorance it seems like a huge leap going from a player of music to a writer of music and the writer of song and did that just kind of come natural for the both of you or uh, yeah go ahead
2: i would say that he started you know early on when he first started playing guitar and bass writing which i didn't do i started with my instrument and you know He saw me playing the instrument, so he wanted to pick up the instrument, but then he started writing right away, and then I I did dabble with writing, but I was horrible, and then I saw him writing, and we were going to the studio, and I said, I want to write my own too, so it's like I pulled him with the instrument, he pulled me with the writing, and then we both kind of went at it like that. So, so it's um,
0: it's almost like a, a a friendly competitive edge between brothers. I mean, there's always a competition between brothers. Oh,
3: I would say so. Yeah. Oh, definitely. definitely. Like you know, he'll he'll he would write a song that I would be like, oh, I wish I wrote that one, and I I try to you know make a better yeah. one. And so there's a little bit of that competition going on. Um, I definitely. like the way Andrew described it, though. I actually never heard him say that, so that's an exclusive right there. But I agree because <laughs> I just picked up the guitar and I just immediately started to want to write my own songs. You know. And it comes from that right. love of the Beatles. I think a lot of people have that, where it's like, ooh, you have that John and Paul thing. You want to make the best right, song right. possible. But yeah, it was just, I picked it up, I learned Day Tripper, and then I started to want to make my own. <laughs> so,
0: well, and it, it, This is the typical question. How does it hit you? Um, how does the Muse hit you each differently? So let's let's start with you, Matt. Is you know, the lyrics first, uh, uh, or, or uh, chord structure first, or a combination of the two?
3: Um, yeah, for me, it's mostly the melody first and I'll have like these catchphrases that I think will be good for the chorus and, and I'll kind of just hum along and turn the mumble jumbo into words eventually. Um, the lyrics for me is always kind of a pain. I don't know, you know, just the verses especially. If it doesn't come naturally in the mumbles, I'm just, oh, you know, I got to write the lyrics now. I, I most enjoy <laughs> coming in, making the chorus and the chords and the music And then I'm like, oh, verses. Uh, Andrew, you know, I'll call him in and be like, you want to write these ones? (laughs) You know, Uh, I love making a good, powerful chorus. But
0: now I I heard this, too. I, I was listening to actually Howard Stern interviewing Springsteen recently. And he said a lot of the time it's, you know, he the title grabs him first. Yeah. And he works works down from that. Have you found that as well? Or is it, the, I'm sure it's different with each song. Does for the title come afterwards? Me,
3: for me, that's exactly what, what I'm talking about here with the chorus, the title. Yeah, it, a lot of times we'll do it. But then other times I, I won't always just hate on the verses right now. I, I'll say sometimes it's just a puzzle that you got to put together. And some come quicker mm-hmm. than others. Um, but Andrew, sorry, you know, you, you go.
2: No, I was just gonna say, you know, I, I with uh, with that interview that you were listening to, I, I agree with that. I think I think the best stuff that we write comes from you make the chorus first, and then everything else just kind of follows it. I think I think that's when our when the best stuff comes out. But you know, there's always an exception. There's always different situations.
0: Right. Yeah. So ob- obviously you're a collaborative group because you're in a band together. But is it is it the same with the songwriting? Or you know, Matt, do you come up and say, hey, I've got something complete? I like to spring it on you. Or do you bring, you know, pieces of the puzzle together and put the puzzle together together? Does that make sense?
3: Yeah, I would say it's there, there's a mix of all that. Um, a lot of times we write the songs alone, but um, I feel like a decent amount, I'll come to Andrew, and usually if I'm feeling, like, uh, a little lazy or something, I'll be like, I don't want to write these. Can you help me out? Or maybe we, like, feel like uh, I don't want to pointed off all on laziness but like he'll he'll kind of i think i will fit him into like a part where i'll be like that set would sound really good if you made this part or maybe he just comes up with something that's really good for one of my songs after i show him and maybe it beats the part that i made and we'll usually agree on that type of thing um,
0: so I'm, I'm confused who are you pointing to being lazy your brother you're calling your brother lazy
3: yeah no, yeah, I'm, okay, I'm, good. I'm talking about me. Like, you know, if I feel lazy, like I don't want to write a section, I'll be like, you write this one, you know, but.
0: It's time for you to take out the trash, Andrew.
3: What do you think, Andrew? You, 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 <laughs> you, you <laughs> Finish this one up. I don't want to do
2: it. too much work. The garbage man. No, I, I
3: don't know. Um, uh,
2: No, we, we, we definitely do. You know, I would say it's everything in between. We do stuff alone. We do stuff where we say, let's just write something from scratch. I, I feel like that's not as often. It's more like Matt was saying, he'll have a problem with the section and I'll try to help him out or vice versa. Uh, but, you know, other times we'll have it completely done alone. It's like one of those, like those, what do what they call those? Venn diagrams? Right, right. It's like a, It's like cool. not as often do we sit down from scratch and, and do the whole thing, but it does happen.
0: Gotcha. So you're... So the muse hits you, but do you actually sit down and say, okay, we got to write a song and, and, and put it together? Or it's just how the muse hits you and you decide, okay, when we get together to play, this is, you know, a practice. This is when you spring it on each other.
2: Yeah. I would say, yeah, I would say, you know, eight times out of ten, one of us start, at least started the idea before we come together. Okay. Um, yeah, maybe
3: you know, more it's, than it's, eight it's times. Almost, maybe nine times out of ten? Probably nine time. times out of
2: ten. Yeah, it's, it's almost like a. Um, like an event where we're like, we never like sit down from scratch to write the whole thing. Like, you want to do that? That's, it's rare. It's right. usually, you know, and I would I would say, you know, a good amount of time, Matt will have one done or I'll have one done. But, you know, most times, whether it's lyrics or a section, we'll end up, you know, working on each other's stuff to, to some extent.
0: Well, I think what's... it Now, you guys live together, obviously, right? Yes. So what I think that, you know, in... Looking at other interviews over over the decades of, like, the band, the band, you know, they went up to Big Pink and, and they banged out stuff where the Stones would go and rent the chalet in the south of France and, and just work on, and just be in community together to do it out. So you really have that benefit. And I'm going to take a left turn here. So before our introduction, our audience got to hear the song, And Then I Met You. So I got a question for you. First, you'll you'll tell us in a minute what the uh, how that song came about and what it means. But I'm also curious of when you pull the trigger and get married. <laughs> how, yeah, seriously, how does that change the dynamic? Unless you know you're going to be three's company. I don't know. So tell us about. Uh, And then I met you, because you did it the other night, which was great, and your fiancé was there. It's a great
2: question, by by the way. way, Great question. I will say this. um, Tatiana is super, she's actually super involved in um, what we do, not from a songwriting perspective, but she films all of our music videos. Okay. She's um, set up our, you know, helped set up our, our website, our online shop. So she's like a, and she's a band a band member's uh, dream. She's like the anti Yoko.
0: I knew you were gonna say that. (laughs) I was just gonna, I was gonna twist it the other way, but
2: she's She's Ono Yoko. really.
0: She's the reciprocal. (laughs) Okay,
2: got it. (laughs) No, she really is though, and and, um, you know, so honestly, the more she's around, probably the more we'll get done. Uh, definitely she
3: pushes us and also let's say music videos or photos if we were doing that to our own devices i would normally have not a good attitude because i hate doing that stuff and andrew knows this i come to these things not wanting to be there i i just don't like doing it i have to well, sit you can see there. It on your
0: face and you can see it in the press photos
3: sure you, to- <laughs> you,
0: you totally have the look of disgust and regret
3: it's it's really, especially with yeah, music videos, it, it, you know, you got to sit there through take after take, location after location. You're not, you know, to me, it's a pain. And Andrew, Tatiana makes me actually smile through it, and I think it makes it more enjoyable for Andrew compared to prior to her being around Andrew. I mean, well, because she softens him up, where he's not like a a, a total grump. She'll, I, you know, she'll she, she must
0: be up. very talented at that, because I could see where that um, would be a very arduous. <sighs> arduous task.
2: But we make it an event. Every week we'll film a video uh, because we'll film songs from our back catalog and stuff. We're just trying to keep up with our YouTube and everything. And we'll go out after to get an Italian salad with with grilled chicken. So it's like an event every week. Yeah,
3: yeah. And she's also uh... a creative, so she understands. She's an author. Um, A little shout out her blog called Live Eternal on Instagram. And um, she does a great job with like, anything creative photos writing and like andrew said i think she really motivates us to get more done i call her the idea person because she just lists so many ideas that i i honestly when i talk to her i feel overwhelmed like i can't do all this this is i want to play my guitar (laughs) like so just keep going but it's great it's it's like good motivation um
2: no, but she's the best. She does our she does all of our pictures too. So anything on that you see on Spotify or Apple Music, she took that picture. Um unless it's a drawing or something like that. But, you know, just to parlay it to the uh the song, um so you know, Matt and Tatiana met at St. Joseph's uh at the time, St. Joseph's College. Right. So we were playing a show and she came up um and uh, you know, Matt saw her and he, he went up to her and you know, that was that. But, you know, a year, I think a year after that, she got him this picture. And it's it's hanging on his wall in his apartment right now. But um, on the top of it, it has all these moments from like a collage. It's like a collage of all these different moments from, you know, when they met and when they first started going out and everything. And on the top, it says, and then I met you in script. And uh, I said, that sounds like a song. So that's how uh, And Then I Met You happened.
0: All right. So who's marrying Tatiana? Me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh. oh, I got I got a little confused there. And me would be Matt. Matt okay. right. Okay, because I'm, I'm like, Correct. where the hell is this thing going? He met, she and met so Madden. he,
3: he <laughs> wrote the song based off of the sign that's right next to me right now that says, And Then I Met right. You, and he kind of built the story of the lyrics and everything around that. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, we love the song so much that we actually asked Andrew to sing it at the wedding. Um, as our first dance song, so
0: nice, very good. Well, I wish you all the best with the wedding. Why don't we do this? Let's take a little break and I'll get a little unconfused of who's connected to who <laughs> and uh, hang <laughs> with us everybody. There's, there's, a, there's a shitload of stuff to discover here. I'm enjoying these guys' company and uh, stick with us. We'll be right back at the Long Island Sound. We're much more than a podcast. We're building a community. Please go to gigdestiny.com. check out all our social media links subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast, please comment, call the listener line, tell us what you think, what questions we should ask, who we should have on the show. And most of all, we thank you for your generous support. And remember, support the artists who are guests on the show. Now back to the podcast. Hey, everybody. We're back with, I'm going to say, the fabulous Como brothers, Andrew and Matt. Andrew is the guitar player. Matt is the uh, bass player, and they both write and play some really great music. And what I found interesting, we kind of talked about this before the break about the fact that you live together and and collaborate in, in the songwriting process and being under one roof, I think is a real uh, blessing uh, that leads into that word prolific, you know, that you're, you're pumping stuff out um, left and right. You're putting content out on your Instagram, on your, your videos. You got Tatiana, uh, so let me just say this, any of the people that we talk about on the podcast are going to be detailed in the chapter marks. So as the audience looks at their phone and they're listening to this podcast, they'll see an image change. So you'll see a picture of Tatiana or anybody we talk about, and you'll have links to their sites and their art. So if you want to find out more information, it's there. And one other plug, I do have a listener line. It's 631-800-3579, 800 800- Um, 631-800-3579. It's in the chapter marks. Please have questions for the Como brothers, have comments, have, gee, I'd like to learn more about this. Call the listener line. It records an MP3. I share it with the artists, and it's a great way, uh, a great tool for us to have feedback. So that was my little commercial right there. So let's talk about collaboration. One of the things that I was, not taken back, just it was really, one, you have a great website, I saw all these videos, um, and then I see okay, they collaborated with a, a guy named Sam Wolf and and Kayla Stockert, right? Am I pronouncing your name right? Right. And I was listening. I was like, wow, this this is neat. In that, my this is my impression is that you guys are open to collaboration. Um, so, kind of give me some pull the curtain away of how do, how did these things happen and and. How do you work this collaboration tool?
2: Um, yeah. So, I mean, um, I guess it's just, you know, when we find someone that's like-minded and like similar interests, you know, has similar interests, you know, musical influences and stuff like that, we, we, we sometimes hit it off and it, it, it just kind of organically turns into something, you yeah. know. Um,
3: in the case of Sam Wolf, we, we met Sam in uh, Webster Hall. We were both doing a show. We both liked each other and just kind of exchanged numbers, and we ended up doing, like, a bunch of tours. I don't even know how many dates we've done with them, like, but Yeah, like, it was,
2: like, these, like, mini tours that we would go out for, like, I don't know, <laughs> five to seven days sometimes, just, just in the East Coast.
3: I don't know if we've done, um, like, a hundred shows with them, like, over time, but we've done, really? like, a ton of it's, shows. It's,
2: yeah, a lot of shows. I, I think we, we met in, like, I think it was the end of 2014, and, um, you know, we... We've put out a, I don't know how many songs, Matt, but we've put out well, we've probably put, almost a dozen songs.
3: Well, I think we've written about a dozen. We've probably put out so far like seven or so, but the others are coming. Really? Oh, I okay. think. I don't know. we got to count them up. Maybe eight or nine. I don't know. Maybe you're right. But we have a few more actually that we've written with him just recently. But like Andrew said, it's just similar interests. We hit it off of him. He's got a very similar style to mm-hmm. us. And that's an instance right. where you talk about song inspiration. We literally sit down, the three of us. And this, we have not. Um, I'll rephrase that. We've always come up with a song that, w- when the three of us sit together, which is kind of rare, yes. I think. And we've sat well, together it, maybe like twelve times, with no idea coming in, and then a cool song comes out of it. So I think that's pretty. That's cool. always a
2: cool. That's always a cool exercise because when he comes, it's kind of like you have a set time that you need to get a song right. done. So. He comes and the, the clock is ticking. You know, we, we hit it off. We have fun and stuff like that. But we know we have to get a song done. So we sit down and we say, let's get a song done. Whereas where it's me and Matt, yeah, you know, we'll try to sit down and, and, and just exercise the, the art of writing a song. But you, you, a lot of times, you know, you do that when you're inspired. And um, when, when you have a, a time clock and you say, I need to get this song done in the weekend. It's kind of a cool exercise of let's let's go. Right, you know? right.
0: I've, I've heard. In fact, when I was talking to Gene Casey, he's taken uh, you know trips to Nashville where his promoter or producer will set him up with different songwriters. And uh, I, I I find it interesting in that you almost have to try to force a chemistry to, to make it happen. But you guys seem to have the chemistry with with, um, with Sam Wolf. And now it's you know the fact that you were able to do multiple songs in that purposeful. Um, type of work is, I, I find, r- really interesting. You know, it's almost like the Brill Building back in the day where they're, like, punching it at nine and they're banging out, you know, three songs a day. Right. <laughs> that type right. of thing.
3: And they're really, they're really cool songs that we've come up with with him, and depending on the song, maybe a different person's driven it. Andrew's really driven a bunch of those, too. And, like, Give a Little Love, the one we put out with Sam in January. Oh, I just loved that one. You know, I just I still listen to it today, and I'm like, "Geez, we really came up with something on the spot that day. Mm. That's just really cool." You know, so now yep. for those
0: for those who don't know, because I googled Sam Wolf, um, he, he was on American Idol, um, and uh, yes. I think in 2014, if if I recall, um, so that yep. that, that kind of jumped out with me, saying, "Oh wow, these guys are connected to talented people." You know, if nothing else, um, so do you? Yeah. So there's the two of you. Do you um, do you have drummers extensions of yourselves that you go out on tour with, or do you pick up players as you go? How does that collaboration work?
2: Um, so we have we have a guy that we use um, in LA, you know, studio drummer, and then we have um, we have someone in, in New Jersey, and uh, it just started because we we really looked up to mm-hmm. these guys, and um, we said, you know, on a on a whim, hey. You guys want to do a studio session and they did it and we just kinda made a relationship and um you know, now we've been recording with with them for uh I think it's eight years. Wow,
0: in studio or a mix of in studio and remote? It's
2: a it's a mix of both, yeah. You know, um I would say from like twenty fourteen to twenty seventeen it was in studio. And then after that, it's been remote pretty much right, since COVID
0: quarantine. That that kind of forced everybody
3: right, Ex- except keyboards. Keyboards, we always meet. In gotcha. Person. Not... Yeah. And Go I w- I would also say it's almost like efficiency too, because we we've gone to LA to do, you know, sessions with the drummer there. Um, but it's almost like now we're just like at the point where like, hey, we we got our process down so quick that we could just send it off, get our drums back, and we're recording the rest of it. You know, so. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, long time co- collaborators. They they've really been awesome and there for, for us uh, whenever we want to write a song and and get it recorded. Andrew records pretty much the whole song, and then we ship out for keys and drums. Basically. All right, so
0: you're you're doing the mixing, uh, Andrew.
2: Well, I don't. I um I I have before. the The only song I've I've mixed that we've released was um a song called I See Something but basically i'll 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 build a song from scratch mm-hmm. with you know lo- with logic pro i'll i'll use fake drums i'll put in fake keys i'll lay down my guitar matt will lay down his bass and we'll put our vocals on it and then i send it to the drummer in la i show him what i did for my fake mm-hmm. drums but then i strip sure. it out he he plays on top of that he sends it back to me and then we all me and matt drive to jersey and when we get a batch of four songs we do a Keyboard session day, and uh, I take out my fake keys. Unless there's something that I, that I liked, I'll keep. And um, he'll overdub the keys. So that's kind of our process. Right. So you
0: don't pass it off to like a production manager who's going to do the final mix and all its
2: mixing. Yeah. Well, yeah, mixing. Yeah, we we um, we have a guy that does that uh, in upstate New York. He's great. Do you want to say who yes, it is, or really you want to keep great. it a secret? Uh,
3: Michael. Right, because we got to give a plug he's, he's for awesome. Michael.
0: Because yep. we're going to put him in the chapter marks.
3: <laughs> Mike Michael needs no introduction, but yeah, he's uh... oh no, it's, it's not
0: for my, it's not for Michael's benefit. It's for my benefit because if people find Michael through the uh, uh, search engine optimization, he's going to get to the Long Island Sound Pod. There's it,
3: a, a whole. He's amazing, and also we we were honored. But he actually released a um, ha- an how online to mix, class, an online class, how to mix in his style, call it browerizing the mix. And he actually used one of our songs in that, and a lot of engineers really look up to him. So for us, well, that was he like used, total honor. Nice.
2: He used our song as like the example in the class, right. and um, we were, yeah, we were super honored. Like we like Matt was saying, we had some engineer friends that we hadn't talked to in a little bit. They were like, dude, because you know Michael <laughs> Brower would be like, Michael Brower is like an engineer's Paul McCartney. You know what I mean? It's like, okay. <laughs> All right. So well,
0: he's definitely getting in the chapter marks two or three times. Okay, we'll get three <laughs> or four different headshots to give him as much as he wants, and then you're going to tell him about the podcast. He's the best. So that's that's cool. Yeah. Hey, let's talk about. But with, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Sure. Go ahead, Matt.
3: Oh, I was just going to say. You know, Andrew touched on like our the drummer and the keyboards. In the very beginning, it, we were just starting out, and it was a long shot. And I just messaged them on Facebook, and they were so receptive, and they liked the songs, and that was the key. Um, we ne- we never would have thought that we would have developed such a great relationship with them eight years later, still working with the same guys. So it's, or, it's really or anyone
2: cool. that we're working with, to be yeah. honest, you know, for anyone listening, if if there's someone that's, I guess, if there's an aspiring musician or anything like that. Uh, we didn't think any of those things were going to work out. You know what I mean? We kind of were just like, should we even be reaching out to these people? And just do it. You know what I mean? Like, And and just keep, and and not even the the reaching out aspect, just keep making songs and keep doing, you know, it's always, you don't think you could do it until you just start doing it. I remember
0: talking to, I had a guest on, a guy named Charlie Cullis, uh, who's a a country music singer-songwriter. Great stuff. Um, And he's from Maspeth, Queens of all places is interesting. Uh, and one of the things I learned from doing the podcast with him is he grabbed at every opportunity. He, there was like no, no saying no. You know, he grabbed at every opportunity that he could and it led him to places that you wouldn't believe, you know, where he ended up being on American bandstand and uh, on Captain and Tenille and all these things. Uh, and I, I, you, I think you guys have a leg up. And the reason why I say this, we touched on this, um, off air in that you're young enough that you do not shy away from the use of social media and doing a deeper dive into making connections where I think some of the um, veterans uh, in the industry are more focused on their music and less on the marketing and and reach out it's just not it's just not in their wheelhouse and and I'm not pushing blame there but I could see where I see, could see what worked for me. I mean, I messaged people on Facebook who became guests on the podcast, and I was like, "I can't believe this guy said yes." You know, who the hell am I? And yeah. and it led into <laughs> no, really. I mean, you know, I'm 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 no name in the music industry, and 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 people have been very generous. I say that in every podcast. It's just the musician community and how we have our program set up here. It's a win win situation, and. Uh, they're very generous. They're very generous with, Hey, you know what? I love doing this. You know, you need to talk to so-and-so and so-and-so. And -and Uh, and it's, it's been, it's been really, really great from when it, you know, it comes to that. So the the take getting back to the collaboration theme in this part of the podcast is don't be afraid to reach out and and make those connections because you never know it's going to, where it's going to lead. And then also the virtual aspects of it, where, Hey, you know, I, a guy in, in Oklahoma can lay down a track and we could we could do things together um, to put together a, a great piece of music. Hey, do you want to jump into the second song you brought to the table, Caught on the Feeling? So who wrote it, first of all? Or us a brotherly fight here. Who's going to take top billing? Uh,
3: great. I'll take top billing for that okay. one. This is Matt. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, and, and Andrew's shaking his head. Um, okay.
2: <laughs> no, I'm not. No, <laughs> <laughs> there he's <laughs> trying to cause controversy. I'm
0: trying, you know, trying to mix it up, like Maury Povish or you know. <laughs> so tell us, tell us, tell us about it, Matt, and then let's uh, let the audience have a listen to it.
3: Yeah, caught, caught on a feeling um, came about with uh, just strumming along with this F sharp, E, B, strumming nice open chords, and I just started caught on a feeling, you know, and it just. It's one of those instances where the title and the chorus is all there. And um, just loved strumming along to it. And then I came in to our studio and I talked to Andrew and I said, like, hey, I have a first verse. I don't have a second verse yet, or I think we worked out the verses. I just remember us sitting together and writing the verses together. I had some ideas, right? Um, In terms of what it means... I don't know. I was talking about this the other day with Andrew. I was like, I hope no one asks me what it means because I don't know. Yeah, you know, I Um, I
0: don't ask that question because the last thing I want to do is plant a seed in somebody's mind. It means this, and that's what it should (laughs) mean to you. You know, that's the implication, right? You want the audience to take it and own it and let it pull out a memory of their life that just makes your song their own, if that makes sense.
3: And I'll say this for a good amount of songs that I make. It means something to me when I write it and Tatiana would kill me if I'm saying this on an interview but I don't care. It's it means something to me specific when I write it, especially like as I'm writing the lyrics and thinking about it. And then you go out and play it a bunch of times whatever, you kind of lose that initial meaning. It means a little something different to you each night. But if you read through the lyrics, I think it, you know, it holds a lot of meaning to the people listening to it. Andrew, let me—I mean, you let me know. Jump in if you don't think I'm rambling, but Andrew listed a good quote no. to me the other day from uh, Dan Wilson. He's the the guy from Semi Sonics. He wrote "Closing Time" and like tons of other. Songs. Wait, that was but on what that was say? on the
0: show The Office.
2: There yeah. you go. Yes. Yeah, he wrote "Closing Time," Adele's "Someone Like You," and um, a, a bunch—I mean, a bunch of hits. He's a hit machine. But um, now I'm blanking. What, what the hell did he say?
3: <laughs> I think it
2: was something like you know. Oh, oh! He said, uh, "No, he he basically said what Steve said. He j- he just said, you know, um, you might not know what that song means to you. And he said, and that's okay. You don't have to. He said, you could still sing it. He, like, <laughs> he he gives these like he's awesome. If you follow him on Instagram, he gives these like Obi Wan or Yoda quotes that are short, little fifteen second videos just about songwriting, about music in general, and it's always like, wow. No, he's, thank you, Obi Wan. Yeah, no, he's,
0: he's, <laughs> he's a good guy to follow. Absolutely." That's a,
3: yeah,
2: yeah, it's great.
0: The
3: easy way out, though, Steve, on this one is it really is about that like that feeling that you, you, you get when you're really like hooked on someone, you know, right. and you're just like, wow, we really had a great connection there. Um, and that's that's really like the overwhelming thoughts a lot of times when I sing it. But um, I think it has really cool verses. I particularly love the second verse for you, those of you listening in today on this um, kind of deep dive on our music. I would encourage you to take a listen to that second verse in particular. The melodies in there we were really happy with, um, and they're totally different from the first verse, which is kind of cool. Nice. All
0: right, so why don't we let everybody listen to it, and then I just got some thoughts about feeling and writing when we come back. So, hey, let's take a listen to Caught on a Feeling. We'll be right back after the song. By the way that was a great song everybody fo- focused in on the second verse and what kind of caught me and i was thinking about this when we were discussing this before the song now I, I've, I've written essays and blogs and stuff like that and sermons and homilies and and uh when i've written something that i feel is good i get i don't know if this happens to you. i get choked up on my own words which may sound totally narcissistic but sometimes when you have something there's I don't know. There's something inside you that goes, "Oh man, this 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 is saying something," and I don't know if that's the case with you guys, uh, or if I'm like t- totally out of left field. No, definitely.
2: Know? No, I I agree. I agree. No, I, I don't. I don't think it's narcissistic. I think it's just you know, once once you create something, whether it's you know an essay or a homily or a song or, or anything, I think you can sit stand back and become an audience member, even if it's right. your own work. Um, You know, and and you could you could, you know, take it for what it is. And if it's something that really resonates with you as a listener and not just as a writer, I think that's why that happens. That 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 does happen. Let me ask you this
0: about do you guys critique each other critique each other's performances? And let me let me just hang on to that thought hang on to that (laughs) thought for a second. (laughs) And when I used to (laughs) write or do speeches, what was really impressed upon me on my professor was it's not what you think you said; it's what the audience th- thought they heard you say. And I'm I'm curious of your. Uh, you said you, you kind of jumped right in. Yeah, we critique each other, but do you really go into? Hey, I didn't like that nuance on how you did that phrase, or, uh, and are you guys thin skinned, or like you know, how, how does it work for you? Because uh, I'm pretty thin skinned early on when somebody would go, uh, you know. That was dad. You sounded like Elvis Will you cut out the Elvis voice. You know, I'm serious. You know, and then you go, "Oh yeah, it was
2: right." No, I mean we've we've done we've done that and everything in between. But you know, at this point, I think you know it's more of you know how did the show come off as opposed to you know oh you I I think you were flat in the pre-chorus in pre-chorus two of this song, which you know you know occasionally we'll go tit for tat if we get into an argument I guess or something, but. Um. <laughs> oh, that
3: totally happens, uh, you know. I, but for the, the show, most part,
2: yeah. I, you know, I think it would be like, you know, me coming to Matt, ah, I didn't think I did that that great. He'd be like, yeah, but, you know, maybe that song, you didn't feel great. But the overall, that show, that, that was a great show, you know. So I think I think we got to the, we got past the point of, for the, you know, there's always an exception, but we, we try not to get at each other's throats. And I, th- I think we're more sympathetic to each other because I think we both understand what having a bad song or having a bad show feels like and i think i think sometimes the other person can give you perspective on you know what's the bigger picture
3: yeah and i would say too if we know we play a lot of shows and if we notice a song that starts to lag where we consistently we're hitting the harmony in, in the second chorus wrong or the, the bridge wrong we'll sit down together and we'll work on it for like five days straight and make sure we get it right and then Test it out the next show and say, "All right, are we tweaking this over time to make sure it's better?" And usually, over time, over the course of gigs, we'll notice the areas where we're lagging, and we'll try to improve those outside of the gigs. And over time, the gigs naturally will lift as it, it like continues to optimize itself. If you're doing a lot of gigs, you know. So, I think that's part of it. We've definitely gone tit for tat, you know. Like if we're like pissed off afterwards, and I'll be like. Yeah, well, you know, you hit the wrong note in the solo, and underneath it I, all, I could, whatever. I could see, and, you know, you, he helped, I could see you, coming Matt back being to that me one. like, you know, that he's referencing <laughs> he's referencing an
2: actual mistake <laughs> from me. That's like a recent thing. He Won't let it go. He, he won't let it go. Up. That
3: was an actual thing. He won't let it go. No, but I would only say it in response <laughs> to him usually. So you know, but it that that's that's a real thing too. But I think Andrew's right in. In that, you know, we, we do understand for the most part and over the course of gigs, we play a lot and we recognize our errors and try to work on them outside of the gigs and correct the next time, you
2: know. But that's also not to say we don't try to push each other too in like a, you know, just trying to get a better, better product. Like if we're, if, if we're recording here and, you know, uh, you know, I might say to Matt, you know, give, give it another couple of takes. I think you're almost there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so we, we push each other in, in that way, Let me which see, is a good thing.
3: We'll be brutally mm-hmm. honest in terms of, sorry to interrupt, but with songwriting, if someone doesn't like something or a part or whatever, be like, Does, nah, it's
0: not working. Don't. right. Let, let's talk about live performance because I, I find it interesting. You, know, you hear performing artists say, you know what? I get an energy from the audience and that really fe- feeds into a good show. Okay. Conversely, when the audience, and maybe this doesn't happen that much with you, but you've been playing a long time. When you get that audience that is just not engaged, and there's different variants to this depending upon the gig, sometimes your background, don't take offense to this, you're the background and they're there for their guests and their interaction and their, their community, and sometimes you're the shit and they're really focused in on you. And then there are times I would think where it's like, Nothing's coming back from the audience. My question is, have you gotten to the point
2: where hey, I'm playing
0: my music for me uh like how do you deal with that?
2: well, I think it de- it definitely makes a difference um you know uh
3: I-, I think it's a really astute uh note from from you on this because it definitely impacts oh, yeah. your mood sometimes like if you have an engaged crap. If you have an engaged crowd or not, it definitely impacts your mood, um, to some extent. And I would say, well, your mood, yeah. Go ahead, Matt. Well, I was just going to say, I think uh, in the past it affected Andrew more than me, but uh, maybe, maybe I'm just extrapolating. But
2: well, it it affects your mood, but I think it also affects just your. Um, and you try and you try to give it the same performance whether there's nobody in the room or you know hundreds of people in the room or whatever. But, you know, it does affect uh, your performance, I think, in, in certain aspects. I think you could turn it up a gear when you know that everyone's hanging on, on, right. on every you know,
0: I think it's also reflective energy, too. When you're getting energy from the audience, it, it has to stimulate you to reflect that back in probably nuanced ways that you may not realize at the moment. Um, and I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn to Gene Casey because I noticed this when he played the night before you guys played. Right, this guy's been playing for decades and decades, and it's almost like watching a good uh, a person who does a great speech. You 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 notice certain things that they do that either prep the. Let me take a step back. When I was doing public speaking in my sales position, I had a great cha- trainer named Bill Kushani, who is an actor on television. And he taught me, he goes, the show starts when you get there and you enter the room or you can engage with the people, right? And I took that very seriously in a lot of different venues outside of singing to engage the audience, to have cheerleaders, to make eye contact with people. And what I noticed about Gene, which was kind of cool, was how engaging he was with the audience, but also engaged the audience with the bartenders and the other people serving them. There. It was very nuanced to me, but I picked up on it where he goes, Hey, we've got Angelina behind the bar and so-and-so there, you know, take care of them. And that might just sound like, you know, a hotel lobby thing. But I kind of caught it and they appreciate it. And that he just created more fans of the people taking care of him. And I thought that was just a, a great practice to get people in in the mood of, hey, we're in this together type of thing. Maybe I'm putting too much on it, but I, I thought that was. Uh, no, a it's a good observation. To, uh, you know how do you, how do you cajole an audience to be with you and be a fan before you sing the first note? You know, I I think that's key. And you guys are young, so I'm trying to I'm trying to teach you something here. Okay, so you know, I don't see you writing notes. I don't see you writing no, no. notes, so you must be you know <laughs> photogenic memory, I guess.
3: I love that, and you know we we're big fans of Huey Lewis, and um, you know some things that uh, I, I remember him saying something that we well andrew told me if he's no well, this, this is so. a uh,
2: it's, it's kind of a cool quote that you know sometimes we've taken this into a gig and it's worked but huey lewis basically has said you know sometimes you'll have an audience that doesn't know you and you know it's basically he said you know they might be standoffish and he and he he said the the worst thing you could do in a situation where the audience is really cold to you um would be to kind of press mm. them and, and kind of like press really, harder Press harder and really trying to like schmooze your way into them liking you. And he said the the best thing you could do in that situation, whether you know, if you're opening for someone and they don't know who you are or whatever, uh, is just to be standoffish too. And he said, when and 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 a lot of times when you're standoffish too,
0: then they'll come
2: around. Um, and you know, obviously, there's always exceptions to any any rule, but yeah, um, we've we've tried that though at you know, different. Locations, you know. We said, you know what? Let's let's stop bantering so much and let's just play. And sometimes people right, will start coming around. Right. Let the music speak
0: for itself and re- don't don't try to force them, winning, right. winning them over, type of thing. Yeah.
2: Right. Right. But there's a fine line to everything, you know. You 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 know. Right. So
0: yeah, finding a place cool. and reading the audience. Yeah, that's all. That's all key. And and you know, it comes comes with time. You're a disaster before you're a master at it. You know. And getting getting the number yep. of uh, gigs yep. under your belt and all your experiences—if it doesn't uh, stress the hell out of you, you, you learn from it. You know, if you're if you're open if you're open to it, right? Hey, let's talk about. Yep. I I do want to. What else do I want to get into? I want to talk about the next song, uh, "Keep On Riding," uh, and then we'll get into some other things after the song. So, what can you tell us about "Keep On Riding"?
2: So, "Keep On Riding" uh, that just came out on. Uh november i think it was second <clears throat> but keep on writing is just about you know um always going for something uh you know whatever whatever your goal or dream is and it, it, for us obviously it's me it's a musical dream you know to, to always be going for that but it doesn't have to be for you know f- for whoever's listening it could be you know I, I gave an example recently but you know it could be going it could be switching careers when everyone says why why do you want to be a teacher now you're you're a nurse. And you said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for what I want, regardless of what other people say." Um, you're gonna keep on writing. That's basically it.
3: What, what's the lyric <laughs> in the chorus though? At the end, I always thought that. Um, and
2: oh and well, it's it's also you know, and you know, people have obviously we we going for music. We've had people at some point in our lives say things like, you know, um, you know, you sure you're gonna that's gonna work out. The line in, in the chorus that I, is my kind of answer to that is. If I never find it, I'll know it wasn't there. You know, I'm I'm gonna find out. I'm not I'm not gonna have someone else tell me and then which is gonna make me stop writing songs or stop going for what I want to do. I'm gonna find out. I'm gonna go to the very end of what I can do and find out if it's Good there. Good for you.
0: Good for you. All right. On that note, pun intended, let's listen to Keep on Writing. Be right back after the song.
1: I'm gonna keep on riding. Surviving, I'm gonna keep on moving
0: Hey, everybody we're back with the como brothers i hope you're having as much fun uh, as we are doing this interview and getting a, a good understanding of these two great guys and really really great music i'm really interested it looks like you guys have a lot of gigs under your belt over the years what are some of the memorable places that you've played tell us about it and then tell us where, what you've got coming up if you don't mind
3: yeah sure well i'll take this one this is matt and um i'll just say you're a great guy, Steve. This is a great podcast. We were so happy to just well, meet today, and uh, we we really enjoyed it. And you know, happy to do it again at any point in the future if you'd like to. Appreciate that. So uh, memorable places, yeah. We've done a ton of memorable gigs. Um, all all the above, um, and I feel like a lot of memorable places for me are actually like the CD bars. Um, you know we we've done a lot of places over the years that were just like what are we even doing here so i'll mention i'll mention those there's been some gigs where andrew and i just couldn't control ourselves during the song laughing hysterical i'd look over and like try to try to sing and literally laughing into the mic it's just too funny to continue and the audience just starts like you know laughing with you almost you just can't control yourself yeah, that's the best. Those there's been a few of those. Um so those are just like events that happen. Um there's been obviously, you know, venues that were memorable. Like we've done the cutting room in New York City, okay. which was like how do we even how did we even pull this off, you know? So that was kind of cool. Uh we um you know, we we had a big gig at 89 North in uh, 2015 where we almost like sold out the venue just based off of our original <sighs> stuff. And I was promoting Great. like crazy. That was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, where else? Early on, we did like the, the Hard Rock at Times Square. That was a really cool venue. Um, but really, like just that we've done a lot of colleges. We've done a lot of um, memorable gigs at a place called The Space in Connecticut. And
0: How far have you uh, traveled to do? to play your music
2: we've played all the way in california uh we were over there for a recording session and we 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 booked a gig because we knew we were going to be there so and then we've been down to you know down to florida up to buffalo um texas
3: we did did a texas Texas, we played in texas south by southwest we ended up playing a bar um you know, Foster the People was on the main stage, going crazy, and then we were like at a local bar close by, so people would pop in <laughs> nice, every big nice. show, you know, and see us performing. Right. Um, we've done so many cool different uh, venues, but um, recently, you know, we're we're playing a lot of live shows to to bring in the money and put food on the table, and that's been great. And so that's been a big. Part well, let me of what let
0: me let do. me stop you. Let me ask um, you this: as far as a mix, because you have you have a good catalog. <laughs> What's what would you say today is your percentage mix of covers as opposed to original music?
3: Such a great, such a great question, Steve. I would say mm-hmm. it depends on the
2: gig, but most of most re, you know recently we we've, we've been doing like ninety percent, maybe ninety five percent original. Um, there was a couple gigs where we've been playing for three hours and we I think we played one or two covers and that was it. Um, but obviously, you know it depends on the gig. If we're doing a wedding, yeah, the, re- or, or the reason like that, why I asked
0: not to um, cut you off is, you know, in speaking to venue owners, you know, it's it, they, they don't care about your music. They they want to know what what kind of crowd you're going to draw, and when people talk originals, right. unless they unless you've got a great presence and you can point to a lot of things, which you guys can, um, it, it just my opinion. They're few and far between. I mean, there's some. Great places that are, you know, kind of like Fire Island Vines, where you got a uh, an owner who's very pro music. uh, But others are, you know, uh, my friend Mike Nugent said, "Hey, we're in the uh, the time of the tribute band, you know, and uh, they'll sneak, you know, it'll be the opposite. It'll be ninety eight percent covers and maybe one or two originals. So it's good to hear you have the reciprocal."
3: So right, right. This is a really interesting. Thing that i don't think we've ever talked about with anyone asking us questions and i think that the the thing is we we like we, we've been doing this a while playing a lot of shows and we used to do like what you're saying tons of covers and then select originals here or there do a lot of covers mrs robinson johnny be good throw mm-hmm. in a you know an original here or there and then over time we just started to do more and more it was 50 originals it would be like original cover original cover and now even at these long gigs, like let's say if a restaurant hires us or if a different place hires us or a private gig even, we're playing so many originals now. And I think it's the, the fact that our originals mixed in with the songs that we were playing that were mm-hmm. covers so well that the audience didn't really even know if it was our song or not. You know, they just assumed at a certain point, oh, these must be popular songs, but I just don't know right. it yet. You know, like, it just kind of came off that way, at least to me. And so we we might play, like, a couple covers and then just keep going with our originals. And I don't, you know, it might not even register that that was us making, you know, playing our own song. Right, you had, you had a perfect <laughs> you know? segue
0: where it just did the blend, or a crossover. Uh,
3: and it just maybe sounds right. like a song that they might have heard before and, you know, they like it. and Unless we say, hey, that's a song we wrote they don't really Right, know. right.
2: <laughs> you know? Yeah. So basically, we just kept up yeah, in so the empty, basically. And this
0: just came to me just now is, you know, I, I back when I was a young kid, you know, the band would, would hawk some of their own CDs to play it. Now, nobody has a CD player. Uh, so you, and I think you mentioned this the other night when I heard you play, is you, you point to your Spotify list, you know, uh, to to find your music. Right. So it, it's, one that makes it easier and, yep. You know, I remember uh, uh, my daughter told me because I was working with some older uh, musicians, and she says, "Dad, people our age don't carry that much cash. Tell them to put a QR code for their PayPal or Venmo so they can get a tip on, on the jar." Yep. So uh, you yep. know, it's just just interesting how how things change. What do you got, uh, Andrew? What do you have coming up? Um,
2: on so coming up, and and before I even say what's what's hmm. coming up, I wanted to say the the most memorable gig that didn't happen. <laughs> We got a request to play in White Plains, and the, the stipulation was we have to play shirtless. I and the Matt must have loved that. I ended up. Oh, he loved it. He absolutely loved it. No, but uh, when I saw that, I said we'll do it, and I gave just uh, an absorbent rate. I gave a crazy price, and then I never heard back. But wow, uh, it almost happened. But anyway, okay. this this is what's coming up. We. <laughs> We have uh, Port Bistro in Port Jeff on November 26th from 6 to 9. Uh, really great food there. It's a nice place. Fire Island Vines, we're playing again from 7 to 10 on December 3rd. Uh, Jason's Vineyard, one thirty to Where's 5.30 that? on 12.4. Uh, that's in um, Jamesport. Uh, is that Jamesport, Matt? Tech? Okay. I believe that's Jamesport. And then uh, Corey Creek on 12.9 from 4 to 8 they're doing like a twilight, I believe that's a Friday December 8th, I'm sorry December 9th, December 9th, 4 to 8 Quarry Creek.
0: Excellent, and you could also and, uh, uh, go to the uh, the website uh, your website which is comobrothersband.com yes. to see their events and also at the Gig Destiny site we'll, we'll pop up your, yep. your events as, as they uh, they come along certainly love to promote and get people to know yes. more about you guys hey let's do this, let's talk about the last song that we have on the table rolling down the road. Tell us a little bit about that. And then we'll have a listen to that song.
2: So Matt was talking about, you know, hysterically laughing into the mic live. This was a, this was a rare situation where we are, we were hysterically laughing (laughs) while writing this song. This was a song. This was a song that Matt had the, uh, the chorus and he came to me and he said, I don't have anything for the verses. Mm. Let's, let's sit down and do it. So, we you know it got me thinking like rolling down the road i keep rolling down the road uh why is this person rolling down the road well they're if they keep rolling down the road they must be overcoming some kind of adversity or something so we just made this character that the the craziest (laughs) stuff in the world keeps happening to this person they uh they got drove off the road by a crazy girl they broke their leg um they they they're trying to fill the gas tank in the car while they're traveling and a dog bites off his fingers. So just like anything bad that happens to this person does. But the message of the song is they're gonna keep rolling down the road anyway. No matter what gets thrown at them, um, they're gonna keep rolling yeah, down so the road. So it's like
3: yeah, every, everything bad's happened to me. He goes to pet the dog actually while he's you know, filling like his gas in Carolina. It's all these different locations and goes to pet the dog and he just bits, bites him, you know. And it's basically like, <laughs> at, at least I still got, what, what's the line? Uh, oh, at least I got
2: another three to go. So he's two, saying he, he bit off two, two, of, fingers, two of his fingers. The
3: and then it's just like, I keep rolling down the road. Kind of like the story know?
2: of Job.
0: Really? <laughs> yeah, keep going. Why me, God, right?
3: Um, <laughs> keep going. Instrumentally, you know? I'll just say, love the solo Andrew threw down. One of my favorites by him. It's like this oh, dueling a uh, guitar solo with a PRS guitar, and what is it, a Gretsch? Oh,
2: yeah, it's with my Gretsch, and then Matt, got me, Matt and Tatiana got me a PRS for a birthday present, and I said, let me, and I immediately put it on this song. So, um, really so, cool. And, and it, for anyone who's interested, if you go on our Instagram, you could find a video of me with a pink guitar, and if you, you click on it, it's me tracking the solo to nice. this song. All
0: right, let's have a listen to Rolling Down the Road. We'll be right back after the song. Hey, everybody, we're back. And let me tell you, every episode I do of this broadcast is uh, finding you guys, I, I honestly, is a real blessing. One, your music struck me immediately, and it's something I really enjoyed. And I just hit the tip of the iceberg of what you guys have done. So I really, I really do want to have you back um, so we can ask the questions. And I don't have a list of questions, but I know I want to learn more. Uh, uh, about what you do, you're you're two successful guys. You're headed on the right track, um, Matt. You've got Tatiana. Andrew has nobody. We'll find somebody for him. Uh, <laughs> you know, if if you want to find somebody, yeah.
3: Well, we appreciate that, and you know, no, because I know Matt. You wanted me it's... to try
0: and hook him up because you know he's alone. He's he's a lonely guy. So,
3: <laughs> for the
2: record, I never said that. <laughs> Is that what you guys were talking yeah, about Yeah, when, when you I was, were muted? When I was all <laughs>
0: No, in all in all seriousness, it's it's really been a pleasure have, having you guys on the program. So.
3: Well, it's been a pleasure being with you and anytime that you'd like to have us back for um, you know, reconvenient doing an update and uh catching up, we'd love to do that. It's really we had a great time and uh you know, you're a great host. We we will definitely share this out cuz uh, we don't want all your listeners to hear it or all our all our fans too. so
2: no, it was great. It was great, Steve. It was, it was, it felt like we were catching up with a friend. We haven't talked in a while, so we, we really appreciate you having us.
0: No, I appreciate that very much. It makes me feel good. All right, guys, till next time, be well, everybody. And we'll see you soon. Thank you for joining us today. I appreciate the time you spent with us. Please subscribe and comment and visit us at gigdestiny.com. Till next time, be generous with your joy. Keep your spirits high and let the music take you on a journey. Be well. Peace. Thanks so much for listening. Please rate, review, and comment on the show. We really love to hear from you. And call our listener line at 631-800-3579. Again, thanks so much. Be well.